and welcome to Nerdy for 30, the podcast where we talk about nerdyish movies for 30-ish minutes. My name is Kevin Bauer, aka The Critic's Choice. With me, as always, is my co-host, the people's champ, Tim Keck. And today we are talking about the movie Air. If you're tuning in to hear us talk about Renfield, I'm sorry we haven't seen it. And uh, after the reviews this past weekend, it's probably going to be a minute. We're probably going to wait for this one to hit streaming. But Tim, we're not talking about Renfield. We're talking about Air. Do you remember when we went to see this? What do you remember about this movie? Oh, boy, I remember it wasn't Renfield. I'm I'm, you know, we're both getting over some illnesses, you know, Mm -hmm. cold got us down. I apologize for the stuffiness in advance. Uh, That's the reason we didn't go to go to Renfield. Didn't want to uh, be hacking and hoffing and Norton snot all over the people who were just there trying to watch Nick Cage be a vampire. Um, But we did go see air purely for for pleasure. I think that wasn't that wasn't a pod. That wasn't a pod movie. That was like we wanted to see this thing and I enjoyed it. It was as good as I thought it was going to be. It was like it was solid, man. I'm. I feel like it wants to be Moneyball. I don't know if you're familiar with Moneyball. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is like one of the most rewatchable, one of my my favorite most rewatchable movies ever. And I'm curious, once this is on streaming, if this is just going to be played by me like once a year or whatever, how often I play Moneyball. I feel like there's like a, there's a handful of movies that just get put on when I scroll past them. And mm-hmm. Moneyball is one of them. And I wonder if this is going to be in the rotation because it just fits that perfect like there are emotional parts like in a sports movie. I feel like, you know, I was really swept up in parts of it. Uh, and then also the rest of it seems like kind of like easy viewing, right? Like you can you can have it on and like walk out of the room, come back in and be like, this is the part. I feel like this movie is going to be so rewatchable, Kevin. Am I wrong? I think it does have this extremely high degree of watchability. And what's weird is that I think that might be all that it has. I don't (laughs) think that this movie has the level of depth that it thinks it has or that it wants to have. Because we get these monologues from Matt Damon that seem like the kind of thing that should bring you to your feet in the theater with a standing ovation. And it felt effective, but I kept hearing in the back of my brain, this is just a Nike ad. This entire movie is a two hour long Nike ad and it's a very good ad, but the whole time it's really difficult to buy in on these stakes when the premise is, are they going to be able to create the very popular shoe that is the reason that we're in this theater right now? We know that they do. We know that Nike wins this. So it's really (laughs) difficult to feel tension in this movie. And then when Matt Damon delivers this huge monologue about the meaning of Michael Jordan It's like, this is just in the context of you trying to sell me a shoe. Yeah, I I have to admit, I think we looked at this from two different angles. You were looking at it for the shoe. I was looking at it for the basketball. Uh, I I really resonated with the Michael Jordan stuff. And I liked them talking about Michael Jordan and talking to his mom. And I liked the sports story angle of it. And when Matt Damon delivers the monologue about how great Michael Jordan's going to be, I got I got a little caught up in it. I was a little emotional. I was like, yes, this is what sports can be at its very best. Is this like emotional? And they're showing just like clips of Michael Jordan just just scoring the, all the all the highlights, all the clips mm. we've seen a million times of Michael Jordan dunking. And they're talking about greatness and what greatness means, 
You know, like this is a real life warrior. This guy's a superhero, you know, for real life. He's done the impossible. He's the greatest of all time. And I got caught up in it and I liked it and I was digging it and I wasn't thinking about the shoes at all. I didn't really care about the shoes too much. Honestly, they were talking about the style and let's make them red. We'll pay the fine. That's cool. I really just like the sports stuff and the shoe part of it. I, I couldn't care less about. And I think this is the first time you mentioning that, that this was a Nike ad. Like the thought of Nike didn't even really cross my mind like this whole really? time. I don't know why man. I'm probably wrong in that. I'm probably wrong. I was just thinking, oh, it's all about Michael Jordan. It's about they're, they're trying to sell Michael Jordan a shoe, but I guess I didn't even think about this as an ad for Nike. Yeah, I guess it is. It totally is. <laughs> they're so good. They're what so I, good at it. What I did think is it's an ad for Michael Jordan, which is something that I've personally gotten got a little bit of a bone to pick now because all these people come out with, you know, Taylor Swift comes out with a documentary and everyone's like, wow, look at how raw and honest Taylor Swift is. And it's like, yeah, look at how raw and honest this celebrity who knew a camera was filming was with us. Wow. <laughs> you know, a camera crew was there to film her documentary that's going to make a bunch of money and millions of people are going to see someone who's very aware of their brand and probably calculates every little thing. Wow. How raw and honest she was. And I'm just like, not to attack Taylor Swift, you know, whatever. She's great. But anytime somebody releases this thing that is like, this is raw. This is like, this is who I am. This is like this, like it's, it's bullshit. It's propaganda mm. on, at least on some level, it is their own propaganda. They got final say on this. And I have to wonder, I know we're, this is not the conversation we're going to be able to get into Kevin. And I don't want to, I'm not going to try to put you on, on the spot for this, but Oh boy. Is I have to, I'm thinking to myself, is Michael Jordan's basketball greatness a product of propaganda at this point? Like, what would we like? No athlete will ever be able to be as big to basketball as Michael Jordan was. It's just impossible. But why is that? It's because of the shoe. It's because of movies like this. It's because of Space Jam, like all of these things around like the fictional like the world around Michael Jordan is bigger than the man could ever be like right now he's a terrible owner for one of the worst franchises in the NBA we don't think about that you know mm -hmm. bird and magic were out of the league by the time Michael Jordan started uh, really going after it we don't we don't talk about that you know there's all these things he took he took like a year off to play baseball I don't know we don't talk about any of this stuff he's the goat he's the greatest he is but it's just this. Is, I, I thought this was pure propaganda for Michael Jordan, and I salute him for it because I got emotional and caught up with it. But also at the same time, I'm like, you know, is he all that? Is he all that? <laughs> I think the big difference between Michael Jordan and LeBron James mm. is that LeBron James is still a current figure. In media, he's still a, what do you call it? Like a, uh, he's still a public figure. Exactly. Whereas, yeah, you know, he's still playing in the NBA regular season. You turn on the TV, you've got like a one in, I don't know, one in three chance that he's going to be playing basketball that night. Like you can see a lot of LeBron James. He's doing a lot of these things that we associate with Michael Jordan in the nineties right now in real time, he had his space jam movie. Uh, Ugh. the advantage that Michael Jordan has in that situation all. to the detriment of all, but 
the advantage Michael Jordan has in that situation is that we were children when Space Jam came out and was the original Space Jam more fun than the sequel? No question. Way better movie. Way fewer alternative motives. Not no ulterior motives, but fewer of them. So LeBron can only lose because he's playing against someone that is cut and dry and in the books. We have his records. We know every game that Michael Jordan played. We know every single move that he made when he was in the public eye. LeBron has to live up to that. He's challenging nostalgia. You're never going to win that. Um, yeah. It's kind of foolish whenever people try to compare the two because it's, it's completely, completely different. The situations are complete. The way the NBA operates now is different from how it was in the 90s. It's apples and oranges. So social media, all of that. Oh, my God. You all know? that shit. And you look at some like the shop is a great show. Like Michael Jordan never had a version of the shop. It the is. shop can be fucking ridiculous, but it also has that super high degree of watchability when it comes to things that LeBron produces that he himself is in. I think the shop is in the higher tier of it. Um, I do think it's extremely funny. The clips and stuff that have come out lately where it'll be LeBron trying to act like he knows something that he doesn't know on the shop yeah. and getting busted for it. Those are very good, but it's still a great show and I still really enjoy watching it. And I think we recognize more of the commercial stuff with LeBron because we're seeing it happen in real time. And maybe that is a fault of LeBron's team is that they're trying to market him so hard while he's already here in the public eye, where it seems like a lot of the Jordan hype has been after. I don't, I also don't know how much of the Jordan hype was intentional at the time versus how much of it now is tied into the fact that air Jordans are still a brand. Do you think that the Jordan hype machine is mostly to drive sneaker sales or do you think it is mostly to promote Jordan as a person? It's gotta be the sneakers, right? How else would this guy be benefiting from this? I think it's good for everybody. You know, I'm also saying the hype machine, this he he's, (laughs) I mean, if he's not the best player of all time, he's top five, you know, like I'm not going to yeah. argue. I don't want anybody listening to this to be like, oh, my God, you're saying Michael Jordan sucks. I'm saying I don't know. I don't have the best grasp on the history of basketball. You know, was Will Chamberlain more impactful than Michael Jordan? I don't know. Maybe that's that's for, you know, more of a sports show to uh, to analyze. But I will say the league likes having this guy. They like, you know, like hockey is Wayne Gretzky. Like everybody likes having this icon, this ideal to hold up, to compare people to this legend to chase. I mean, it motivates players. It it gets the league out there. It helps the shoe brand. It's obviously made Jordan a ton of money. Like I think everybody benefits from this mythology, right? It's what mankind has always done is created myths and mythology to chase and answer the questions that we don't actually have. And and so the NBA is doing that with Jordan, right? They're building, they've built this myth, this like monolith, these gods up on a hill who are unattainable, untouchable, and every athlete's pursuing it. I mean, that's part of the like, you know, the monologue Matt Damon's giving is like about greatness and what greatness means. And it's like, yeah, this guy isn't solving World War Three. You know, he's not, <laughs> yeah, man. he's not feeding the hungry. He was very apolitical, I believe. I'm pretty sure he said the line Republicans buy sneakers, too. Uh, <laughs> he's like and LeBron, LeBron has to like it. 
like the burden on LeBron and, and modern NBA players is so much greater than it was on Jordan at the time. Mm-hmm. They do the, the last dance documentary, which was great. A lot of fun. It's like what? Seven or eight episodes of all mm-hmm. this behind the scene footage of Jordan. The whole time I'm thinking we see this footage of modern NBA players all the time on the daily. You open Instagram, TikTok, you're you're getting the last dance for LeBron James every single night. Oh, right? yeah. Everything he does, you know, they go to Cabo and they ride a banana boat together. You know, you know about it, right? Michael Jordan was doing all this sketchy shit. And this is like the first time we're seeing this footage of him gambling with the guys there and like the dude like throwing dice and stuff in the back like Jordan. You know, kind of piggybacking off the Mario thing we had last week, right? Was these were like blank. Like Mario was like a blank template that you could insert yourself in. He's like a surrogate for you. Mm-hmm. And I think to some extent that's Jordan. We watched him play. We saw Space Jam. We heard things about him in the media, but we didn't know him the way we know modern basketball players. And now they're able to come by with this brush and just add this layer of Air Jordan. He was the greatest. This guy knew he was going to be the greatest. Everybody knew this was going to be right. He's he's the best. He's undefeated in the playoffs. All this stuff. He's got the rings. He would win. He would have won 20 championships if he wanted to like. They're putting so much on him. It's it's really interesting. And I get caught up in it and I'm excited talking about it. I'm talking about what bullshit it is and also getting pumped about it. I mean, God, there's nothing like sports, Kevin. And it's all bullshit. It's just millionaires fucking around. But by God, I love it. I mean, the heat, the heat won last night. They beat the Bucks. Jimmy Butler dropped 56. And I was on my feet in my apartment screaming at the TV. I mean, it was the most (laughs) exciting thing I've ever seen. I'm still coming down from that high. And that was 24 hours ago. I love basketball. I love sports. And by golly, I love hearing people talk about it. I mean, do you feel at all conflicted about the fact that Giannis is injured? Or are you just kind of going to be like, no, the Heat would have done it anyway. (laughs) Oh, he's he's injured. He's injured. Well, then maybe don't show up, Giannis. Maybe just (laughs) give up. Just walk away. Sorry, it's basketball. All right. Dude's paid like $100 million a year. The least he could do is like, you know, walk out on the court. I don't know. He's probably hurt. He's probably hurt. And I wish him well. He seems like a really nice guy in person. But when he's playing my team, (laughs) fuck you. Fuck you. Get out of here. I'll I'll get you back to to Greece or wherever you want to go. I'll buy the plane ticket. (laughs) Get out of town. Take a break. Get on vacation early, Giannis. That back hurts. You might as well end the season early. Wrap it up. Go on vacation. Get your rest and, you know, wait it out for next season. Do By the you time this comes out, they're going to play another game and they're probably going to be destroyed by Yana. I mean, there's a very good chance you're just blown out tomorrow when we're, we're recording this on a Tuesday, mm. the 25th. So there's a good chance that we've gotten fucked over by this point. But you know what? I refuse to lose. Go heat. Jimmy Buckets. Himmy. He is him. God, the greatest, oh greatest playoff basketball player of all time. Jimmy Buckets. Wow, dude. By the time uh, by the time this podcast comes out, Cleveland is either going to be working their way back from another 3-1 deficit or just, you know, pulling yet another Ohio. Um, this is, by the way, you mentioned maybe that's for a sports podcast. We're there, baby. It's sporty for 40. We're in it right now. <laughs> sporty for 40? That's really good. Backdoor pilot. Do you that's feel so conflicted at all yeah. about... That monologue, you mentioned it's not like this guy's solving World War Three. That monologue at the end that Matt Damon has feels like it was reserved for someone that 
solve World War III. The way that they talk about Michael Jordan being a great man, like that monologue should have gone in a movie about Oscar Schindler, like someone who actually did something fucking incredible. And I know this is an unpopular argument, especially if this is a Sporty for 40 episode. I know that humanity loves to make icons. They love to make these myths. People want someone to look up to, but it really kind of bugged me. I like Michael Jordan as much as the next guy really kind of bugged me to hear him talking about greatness and transcending being a normal human. When at the core, he's a person. I don't think he's inherently better than anyone else. Better at basketball. Sure. But it really bothered me the level of glorifying they were doing there. And maybe I can read that as just him being a great marketer and just being a great salesman and trying to get this one athlete to sign this shoe deal. But it kind of, it grossed me out as much as it impressed me. I think that's sports, man. Honestly, it's everything. It's everything in our lives, right? To be real nihilist about it. Nothing matters. This is all bullshit. It only matters because we think it matters. And you know, we we like to think that, you know, he won for the Chicago Bulls. It's like the the team of the people, but it's like a private company that like makes a lot of money and probably like is stealing tax dollars from the public <laughs> to like fund this private company that then the public has to like pay to come see these guys. And these players are like mega rich and you know, they're, they don't care and they probably don't play half the time when you buy a ticket, you know, you spent $500 on a ticket, you take your son, LeBron sitting on the bench cause he needs to rest. Like, you know, like fuck all this. Like it's all, it's all dumb. <laughs> it's all dumb. It doesn't matter. This is like a company, you know, it's like rooting for chase bank. Like wh- who cares? You know, it's, <laughs> it's, but, but if you put all that away, and you think that, well, I'm from Florida. Miami's pretty, you know, I didn't really grow up in Miami, but I, Miami's pretty close. And LeBron went there and I was like, so I was a big LeBron fan and it just like sucked me. And I was watching nothing but Miami Heat. And now I'm like, oh, the Heat are back, baby. And Jimmy Butler's there and he's the most electric guy I've ever seen. And they came back from a deficit to win. <sighs> I think both things can happen at the same time, Kevin. Both things can happen at the same time, because otherwise you'd be doing that all the time. Right. We talk about movies on here. Every movie Uh is like, well, that's Chris Pratt in front of in front of a green screen. But (laughs) at a certain point, we all just agree that this is what we're doing. You know, you need that buy in sports, need that buy in. And I think these kinds of speeches are exactly what people love buying into when it comes to sports. I guess you're right. I think that's a double standard that I was holding with Marvel movies, too where I can absolutely see where Breen shout out Mike Breen in front of the show. I can absolutely see where Breen sees these things. And he's like, these are fucking garbage. But because I've decided that these movies are important to me, when I hear Captain America make a speech in one of these movies, it moves me. Whereas, yeah, we can play the dollars and cents game all day and talk about horrible moves that people involved with these movies have made. It's like as a sports movie, I thought it was still very good. I thought it was good. I think this thing's watchable, man. It's just like pleasant and watchable and it's not challenging in any way. It's just like a nice thing to have on. And they're all like pretty good, positive guys who seem to like being together. And Mm -hmm. they all like everybody wants what's best for everybody else. And it's just very pleasant and positive movie. I mean, there's nothing. There's tension. They're like, are you going to are they going to do it at some point in the movie? I was like, 
are they going to pull this off? And it's like, oh, yeah, of course they already did. But I'm like, what if it's like a like Tarantino, like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where they're just like, you know, <laughs> the murderers going to the wrong house and it's like his alternate ending to this. Like, what if this movie took a dramatic turn and Jordan's like, no, I'm going to Under Armour. <laughs> and then, like, then they go into the history of how that affects the world. Um, that would probably be bad. What they did was definitely better. Uh, Ben's great. Matt Damon's great. Oh, I'm yeah. so pumped to see Chris Tucker, dude. I fucking love Chris Tucker. I don't know why he isn't in everything. He's like an automatic, like, you know, 10 off the bench. You throw him in the game. He's just going to he's just going to do his thing, his Chris Tucker thing. And it's great and it's fun. And I'm smiling like he is. He's his character is the guy that like butters up the parents and takes care of the kids and like goes out to the club with them and make sure they got everything they need. He's like the pleaser. Mm-hmm. And he was doing the same thing to me while I was in the in the audience. I was like, he's giving me exactly what I want. He's telling me everything I want to hear. Chris Tucker's doing his Chris Tucker thing, and I'm here for it. I love it. I need more of him. I need more Chris Tucker around. It did. It gave a great depiction of how a team like this functions with role players. Made it really appealing that everybody had their one specific thing i'm just talking about jobs here but i feel like it's specialization the company that i work for is so big that i don't see a lot of people having this one like tight role where they handle all of one aspect of the business um it was really satisfying to see. Yeah. Basically Chris Tucker's like, cool. After we sign you, I got you. You never need to talk to those other guys again. I'm your guy. Like yeah. I'll call you up on a Saturday. See if you want to hit up a park, grab a bite to eat. It's wonderful. It's, it's exactly the sales funnel, right? Where like you, like I'd be like, I was in sales and I like close the deal and then pass them off to the guy who was like the customer, what do they call it? The customer like relations manager or whatever it was. Yeah. Like their contact. So Susan's going to be your contact going forward. Uh, Chris Tucker's going to be your guy going forward. He's going to be, do you want to go clubbing? You want a limo? You want whatever? You want a car? Chris Tucker's the guy you talk to, or you could call me directly, whatever you want. I also like this movie because we know Ben and Matt are best buds. I heard something yeah. recently that they're that Jason Bateman is also like really close with them. Aww. And so I'm kind of just picturing that they all are just like hanging out one day and they read shoe dog and they're like, guys, let's do something fun. Let's do one for us. And they're just like fucking around on set. I just feel like this feels kind of like buddies got together and did something. And they're mm-hmm. like, we'll invite Chris. Chris is a good hang. Uh, we'll invite that weird shoe guy who I don't know who he is, Matthew Maurer, and uh, we'll just have a fun time. It seems like just like a chill, a chill, good time. We'll get Viola Davis to uh, to just oh. come crush, do do what Viola Davis does and and fucking slaughter. And uh, yeah, and then we won't even show Jordan's face. It'll be easy. <laughs> Bing, bang, boom. First off, Viola Who's gonna Davis. play Jordan. Who cares? <laughs> It could be anybody. I think that. Do you think that was a smart choice? I like the choice to not show Jordan. Yeah, I thought it was a great choice. I thought it was a great choice. You don't. You take the burden off of some actor having to look like Jordan, and then you show the clips of Michael Jordan doing his thing, and we know, we get it, we understand. Some mm-hmm. of the shots were a little goofy, where there's like, you know, he sits down. There's like a newspaper in front of his face. Like they're doing all <laughs> kinds of things to obscure his face. It's just you the know? next door neighbor from Home Improvement. <laughs> it feels like. Was there something like that in like, uh, I don't know, Austin oh. Powers or something like move your shoe. And then there's like, you know, there's more and more smaller stuff. 
Oh yeah, for he was naked and more and more things were covering his penis. Yeah. And <laughs> then uh like that. They did like in Powerpuff just... Girls too. The <laughs> aid to the mayor, there was always something blocking her face. Well, yeah, so they probably took that inspiration from the Powderpuff Girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it was a great idea. I think it was a great idea. Kevin, you got any other uh got any other thieves or what's your biggest beef? You got a big beef about this thing? I think the biggest beef I already went through, which was just the the fact that I was being sold something the entire time. But we did this in a double feature with the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is also selling you something the entire time. <laughs> so it was a weird I think after it was over, I turned to everybody and was like, all right, which of those two commercials did you like more? Just because it felt <laughs> like the trailers never stopped. I think. I knew what I was getting into, though. I knew that I had heard that this movie was phenomenal. I think this movie was good. I don't think it's as good as Moneyball. But like we said, it was very watchable and it was very well done. And it did make me I bought Shoe Dog afterwards. So it made me (laughs) buy a Nike product immediately after seeing the movie. So I think it was definitely effective. But it does kind of cross into that line where you know stage one was we had movies and then stage two was we had movies based on ip and now stage three is movies that are ip the movies are ads for the things they're not just featuring the things it's straight up an ad for the thing and i feel a little bit uneasy about that but as long as people stay in a zone where they're willing to take some risks with the material and they don't play too safe to the point where it becomes corporate and sterile. The scene at the very end where Matt Damon, they're doing a wrap up on his character. He looks like he's going to start running for the first time. And then he's like, no, fuck this. This sucks. A company that plays it safe would not do that. They'd be too worried about the fact of like, oh, what do people see this? And they realize that running sucks and we stop selling shoes. So as long yeah. as they are able to be a little edgy with it, I'm fine. Tim, what did you think? Any I guess so. I have a hard time. Uh, following you to that being edgy that Matt Damon is overweight and doesn't like to run. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the edgiest thing I've ever seen from a, uh, a corporation, but um, from I a get running corporation, I think it's as edgy as I've ever seen a corporation get. Yeah, but not, basketball is a huge part of what Nike does now. Probably the thing yeah. Nike does, right? Um, they yeah, I I mean, we've had a string of that, right? Where we've d- done this, we've done Super Mario, we've done Dungeons and Dragons. Mm, I feel like yeah. we've done other things. I mean, we always talk about Marvel and DC. I mean, these are big like IP things that we're all talking about all the time. Um, to get back to what you were saying about Moneyball and what I said about Moneyball, it's not the same as Moneyball. I feel like um, The Big Short is another one that I feel like I put in the same category where there's like a rewatchability towards it. And it's like pretty quick and it's like generally like positive. Mm-hmm. And I, for some reason, I think of Moneyball, the big short, like together. And I think it's because they're both also kind of intelligent. And it seems like you're learning something watching them. Yeah. And there's like a little bit of a mystery and they're uncovering something totally different. But Spotlight is another one that I find like is one of my favorite movies <laughs> where you just like it's it's like a it's the acting's great you could kind of just jump into these scenes they're uncovering something it feels like there's it feels like they're it's intel it feels intelligent watching those things and i wouldn't say that this was necessarily that it didn't get up to that bar 
-hmm. I think the closest they got was when they're sitting down and strategizing on how they're going to bring Jordan in and who's going to talk first and all of that. And then eventually they throw it out so Damon could give the big speech. And that was kind of interesting, I thought, actually, was them saying, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. Here's how this is going to play out. You're going to show up late because it shows this. I almost would have preferred more of the strategy, you know, designing the shoe and talking about how like this is, you know, why doesn't the shoe look right? Well, we need more red. Well, that's legal. Well, we'll pay the font, you know, like those kinds of logistics I really liked and enjoyed and made me feel smarter. So I, I wish it did more of that. Um, I don't think it really got to the point of any of those other movies I mentioned where I'm like going to feel like, you know, challenged or intelligent watching it, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's a really good point. They really just glossed over that shoe design scene. And it was one of the best scenes. I definitely could have used more of that. Yeah, they really just came up with this design. They didn't workshop, but really this guy just kind of had it. Mm hmm. Um, I don't know what else they could have done to like workshop it or whatever, but I, I, it did seem kind of strange where this guy's like, yeah, I've been sitting on this idea, these souls, and they're going to be magical. And that was great. But also like, give me some nerd stuff, you know, yeah. give me the nerdy, the nerdy shit. I want to see how the sausage is made, baby. Show me them shoes. Make it like may a, not be Nikes. A Pierce Brosnan Bond movie where you go into the workshop and Q has like stuff getting thrown at the wall and people holding in front of people holding like a bulletproof vest and they're shooting shit at it. I want that with shoes. People with flamethrowers. Even the moment when they when he's gone into all these other interviews, that was actually great was Matt Damon says, tells Viola Davis's character like exactly what's going to happen in all the other meetings. And they go in and they do exactly what Matt Damon says. And they have all the shoes. And on his, they just have one. I'm like, that stuff's great. Like that kind of like the intricacies of that sound are so fun and so great. And maybe there were a lot of these. Honestly, I got to rewatch it as soon as it hits streaming. I'm going to rewatch it. This movie's chill, man. If you just want to have a nice chill time at home, you want to watch something with your dad, like turn this on. (laughs) It's going to be great. People like it. Big time. I'm a fan. Tim thieves. Man. Does that pretty thieves? much cover your thieves or do you have any other specific thieves you wanted to mention? Chris Tucker's probably my thief. I also Word. feel like Jason Bateman was great. Maybe I just don't see enough Jason Bateman. I feel like I know him from arrested development and then I didn't watch Ozark or anything and date night was great. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every time I see Jason Bateman, I'm like, Oh, this is nice. I like having you around, dude. You seem like a swell guy. And then I don't see him for a couple years. <laughs> then, then he pops in and out of my life, I feel like. But yeah, he's good. I don't know. I really I like love the soundtrack. The soundtrack was a lot of fun. I feel like a little corny, but a lot of fun. I can see that. There's a few that are a little over the top, but I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop since we saw it. And it's a joy. I I feel like they were too top of mind, if that's my critique. Like, I like how James Gunn makes the playlist and then takes out the songs that are too popular. I feel like Nike kind of went with the hits. There wasn't any song. I I feel like I didn't get any of those moments where I was like, oh, yeah, that song. It was just, oh, now they're playing that song. Feels like a big difference, though. Am I wrong? The ones that they picked were 
Very good. I don't know. I was just happy to hear him. That's my sports movie. 80s songs. That's I'm just happy to be there. Do you have them? Do you know what the songs were? Let me pull it back up. Yeah. Because I know there were a couple that took me off guard. I'm filling time while I pull it up. Sister Christian. Great. Yeah. Money for nothing. Dire Straits. Great. The Stroke. Know it. Blister in the Sun. Ain't Nobody by Rufus and Shaka Khan. That song fucking rips, dude. Dude, that's a fucking banger. I actually didn't know about that song until New Girl, I think. And then <laughs> and then I'm like, that's all Shaka Khan rules. I don't know where Shaka Khan's been my whole life, but it's oh, great. Amazing. But yeah, it's a great soundtrack. Check it out on Spotify. Support all the big corporations in your life. They need yeah, your help. Support all the big corporations. Get on Spotify. Listen to this podcast. I don't know what else I want to say about this, Kevin. I'm ready to ready to wrap this up. Same here. Let's wrap it up. Did you see the movie Air? Were you bothered by Matt Damon's speech at the end, or did it make you cry? Let us know. Send us an email, nerdy430 at gmail.com. That is nerdy spelled out, four spelled out, 30 as a number. We will be back here again (laughs) next week. I do not know what thing we are covering. Will it be Renfield? We'll find out together. We'll see you then. Until next week, stay nerdy, everybody. Stay nerdy. Bye.